Welcome to episode 504 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, October 23rd. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Eno Sayers and our producer, Justin Mason. What's going on? Um, yeah, I'm checking in meekly, meekly with, uh, with not, health concerns, with rotten guts. Yeah. Uh, from Los Angeles here, Dateline, Los Angeles. Um, I'll do my perhaps, best. Not perhaps not pass out a, in pain. A gallbladder this. removal. <laughs> yeah. You could join me in that. Uh, I, I had to get mine removed. Now, yours, your situation is being dragged out here. I, I was keeled over in front of a space heater one morning. My girlfriend at the time was like, what's going on? I was like, oh, I'm fine. She's like, nope, going to the doctor. They thought it was appendix. No, it was gallbladder. Got a little bit of medicine to kind of tide me over for a couple of days. And then, like, I think it was three days later, I was I was getting that sucker removed. So, Oh, my story started Tuesday, and I didn't really sleep from Tuesday to Friday. Went to the, I went to the doctor, and they did the first round of tests, like Thursday and Friday. Went to the emergency room and did the CAT scan on Saturday. And then they finally gave me a referral to a gastroenterologist, which was supposed to call me today and didn't. So, but I'm in LA, so what am I going to so, do? Yeah, it wouldn't really matter. Well, hopefully, hopefully you're surviving there. I hopefully uh, see the gastroenterologist like Friday. That means I'm going to be dealing with this forever. It sucks. Like two and a half, three weeks that you'd be going on at that yeah, point. Yeah, it sucks. Dang. Well, best of luck. We're going to talk some World Series. Um, you are in LA. You talked to a bunch of guys today. So obviously as, as you see fit, go ahead and insert the tidbits from the, uh, from the guys you talked about. We'll talk about edges that LA has in your estimation, edges that Houston has, and then I'll, I'll pin you down on a prediction. And then we've got three, uh, three 2018 draft battles, one pitcher, two hitters. Let's just dive right in though. In the world series going to have game one tomorrow. Uh, big talk right now is the weather, um, going to be super hot, apparently over a hundred, tomorrow we don't usually see that obviously a lot of times uh we see cold weather like flat out cold so this is you know let alone something in the 70s we don't see that and then now we're talking hundreds so that's going to be really interesting obviously the ball uh goes further we'll see how that works with uh kershaw v keichel but you know as you assess this series uh from from kind of the, the thirty thousand foot range where do you see that la has an edge Mm. You know, this is a, an interesting World Series because I think we've definitely got the two best teams in baseball. It's the teams we wanted pretty much all, all year. Cleveland obviously had their big run, and I think, you know, you could have slotted them in and, and it would have a similar feel. But for the bulk of the season, if you were looking chalk, you wanted Dodgers-Astros. It's like the series that we, we deserve as baseball fans outside of those that root for the other teams in the playoffs. I understand they wanted something differently, but if your team wasn't in it, you kind of wanted Dodgers Astros just because it, it was the two Titans. I mean, it's the first time we've had two 100 win teams uh, going off in, in, since the seventies. So, I mean, I don't know how many times there's been a 100 win team on each side to, to go against each other, but I mean, you're talking 70. So it's been a hell of a long time there. Yeah, I don't want to slight the Indians. You know, the Indians had a great season. They were a great team. And along with the Dodgers, what's really interesting is if you sort for sort of position players, you get Astros 1, Dodgers 2, Indians 4. And if you sort uh, for pitching, you get Indians 1, Dodgers 3, Astros 6. So those are the only teams that really are in the top 5, 6 in both, in both scenarios, you know, both, both sides of the ball. You still... 
it's not like these teams are the same because you look over at hitting and you've got the Astros uh, with the best lineup in baseball, which seems mm-hmm. weird to say that right now because you know, it looked a little bit outclassed by the Yankees at times. In terms, Well, of they started – they started hitting, hitting those last two games, right? Because yeah. first two games they won, but they certainly weren't putting the offense on on the Yankees. Uh, Verlander came up with the big complete game. They had some things kind of break their way. Then they lose three in New York, and, it, and it's looking like where is the offense here? And not only is the starting pitching for the Yankees going well, but then of course the bullpen that's that's much heralded was also getting the job done. Until those final two games, the offense really started to look like that Houston offense we were used to all year. Yeah. And that, and it's by far and away the best uh, team in baseball this year. They had, you know, a weighted runs created plus of 121. So they were 21% better than the league. The second best team, the Yankees, were 8% better than the league. So Yeah, they, they were almost 20, 20 points better than the Dodgers. It was actually 17 points, 121 to 104 from a WRC plus standpoint uh, and then you, in favor of the Astros. And then if you just read their their slash line, it just reads like, Right out of the steroid era, 282, 346, 478 as a team. That 282 is insane. And, you know, a big difference for this team, they've been coming up now for a little while, starting to, you know, get ready for this big run. They really have cut the strikeouts because mm-hmm. even when they first got going, they were a strikeout team. Now you're looking at a 17% strikeout rate for the Astros. And that's been a big catalyst to send them up to the top. That's a league best by a full percentage over the Astros, or excuse me, over the Indians. So that's, I mean, yeah. that's huge for this team, and that could wreak havoc on this Dodgers team, which has been garnering strikeouts, especially the bullpen. It's going to be interesting to see how those two titans battle each other. So I would give, so I'd give hitting goes to the Astros. Okay. Um, you know, defense by our metrics goes to the Dodgers hardcore, but there's a bit of a wrinkle there, I think. You know, with Corey Seager. His situation, his health, yeah, even at he, peak. I don't actually know if he's if there's a decision been made, but you know, even if he's in, he's he's hurting. Yeah, I'm fairly certain that he's going to be on the roster at least at last word. I don't think we have the full on word just yet, but uh, yeah. But they're talking about putting Charlie Hobson on the on the on the roster, which means that maybe they don't think he's 100 percent. Exactly. And, um, because if you do think he's 100%, Chris Taylor can be, you know, a nominal backup. And then you can get, you know, a guy like Curtis Granderson, who's a better bat than Culberson, probably, even with his struggles. You get him on the bench. But in any case, there's some, you know, wrinkle there about his health in terms of how good he's going to be defensively. Um, Taylor is now sort of installed as the center fielder. And though he's a decent one by the eye test, I don't know that. I, you know, I think at peak performance, like a Jock Peterson would have been a better center fielder and, you know, neither might be, you know, an elite center fielder. So, you know, it's a it's a wrinkle on what is otherwise a team made up of, of great defenders. And I think, you know, I would probably take the Dodger as a defender over every, of the Astro at almost every position. Well, uh, and then. A, a, a big thing uh, for the Astros is they're not going to have Jake Marisnik, who is a big offensive plus and a, and a you know could have been a uh, defense or excuse me, defensive plus and could have been like a defensive specialist late. His thumb is going to prevent him from being on the roster, um, so they're not going to have they're not even going to have him. Their advantages on defense come from like Carlos Correa, um, at least by our metrics. Brian McCann had a good season behind the dish, and then it's pitchers. They don't really have anybody else 
that had a positive season that was a regular player for them defensively. Uh, Altuve was pretty much even um, for yeah, the time that Springer and center is kind of like a, a guy who was playing right. And they kind of, you know, exactly. Well, and, and, and Bregman is a negative too. Now, but I think Bregman the, is actually really good. I think he's excellent. And I actually think Springer is too. Now, the, even the creators of these defensive metrics have always said, be careful right. of using a one-year sample. Bregman's a former very nice. who made that throw that we all saw. That it, you know, he's a he's excellent at third. I think I consider him a. Plus. That might be the one place. I mean, Turner's pretty good, but uh, you know, he's older, and and Bregman is a former shortstop who's young and sort of closer to his peak athletically. I, I would. That might be the one position where I take the Astro defender. Actually, certainly, um, I, I can get behind that. The numbers don't necessarily support it, but that's okay. Uh, so then you give defense to the Dodgers, and then I think sort of generally give uh, pitching um, to the Dodgers, although I think competing in different leagues makes it hard to necessarily like just point to the numbers and say, well, and well the Astros what- had a 412 ERA and the Dodgers had a 338. Well, yes, asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. Yeah, and what about when you break it up? Uh, bullpen starter, the fact that the, the Astros didn't have Verlander all year. I yeah. think, like you said, there's a lot of asterisks there. So the, the the key part, I think, is to break it up. If it's starting pitching, who do you give the edge to? By the way, a tidbit, uh, it looks like McCullers will start game three or four. I thought maybe they would consider using him in the bullpen to get him in there more. I understand why they're starting him. I'm not, I'm not necessarily against it, but I thought he could have been a weapon in that bullpen, which we'll get to in a moment. But as as starters... Uh, which team do you give the edge to? Um, it's closer than it was before they got Verlander, but I mean, if you just play the "Would you rather" game, would you rather uh, Kershaw or Verlander? That's yeah. So, well, they're going to go but... Kershaw, Hill, Darvish, Wood. That's their four in order, oh. and then it's going to go Keuchel, Verlander. Oh, see, I think that's smart. Because Morton. I think what you do is is take a pick'em in Verlander and Kershaw, or maybe a Kershaw. What you do is you you put Verlander on the second guy, and then exactly. I take Verlander. So I think you they know, get an edge back there. They give it with Keiko versus and, and and not you know when Keiko's at his best in in a one game sample, he can match Kershaw pitch for pitch. But you're giving Kershaw the edge without a doubt, and then you go to game two. Again, Rich Hill can certainly match Verlander pitch for pitch, but you're giving Verlander the edge. So then it comes and, down to those games three, four. But then there's this wrinkle we were talking about, the 100-degree weather. Now, yes. what has Kershaw – the only thing Kershaw has struggled with this year has been the home run allowance, right? Mm-hmm. So if you've got the 100-degree weather, balls fly three feet further uh, for every 10 degrees. So over a 90-degree start, uh, we're talking everybody gets three feet of extra distance on their fly balls and that's going to help, well, you know, shouts to help. Mike, shouts to Mike Petriello of the uh, Statcast podcast. He was talking about that and, and, you know, there's not a huge sample, but Kershaw has excelled in, in his limited sample of 90 degree plus games with a lot of strikeouts, including one this year at home against KC where he racked up 13 maybe strikeouts. He can, maybe you can use their, you know, desire to sort of go for the home run against them or something. But, um, I mean, if there are home runs that will favor uh, the Astros, I think, because not only do they hit home runs, but Keiko is is really good at suppressing home runs. Yes, Uh, and so that will, the the gains from the hot weather uh, are more likely to stifle the Dodgers based on the way uh, Keiko approaches it with the ground ball approach. So if he keeps that ball down the way he's, you know, 
excel that now for several years. That can make it closer to a pick But just a general on talent, you're right. Kershaw, you take Kershaw, you take Verlander. What's game three? So now, I, name-wise, you're looking at Darvish Wood versus Morton McCullers. Name-wise, I think you're going Dodgers easily just because of Darvish. He has that superstar name. But if you're looking at the way they've been pitching the last you know, couple weeks— too. I agree because, you know, Morton's and listen, Darvish has been pitching brilliantly. He he has the star name and he's also had the star performance. But Morton, he had that one game where he gave up those six or seven runs. But if you watch that game, you certainly didn't see a guy who was uh, failing and getting his face caved in. It was one of those snowball circumstances. I'm not yeah. saying he pitched well, but he we did. We talked about that, actually, in particular. It wasn't uh, on a level where you're like, God, he, he really got clobbered. He still had his nasty stuff. Um, so I will give Darvish the edge there. But then in a game four situation, if it is McCullers, uh, by the way, it's not set that it will be Morton in three and McCullers in four. They're going to go three, four in one way or, or another. Uh-huh. But either way, if it's Morton or McCullers, I'm going to give them the edge over Wood right now. He really came Lost down in the seats. second half, and he's kind yeah. of more of a middling guy. He really is a, a number three, number four type right now, whereas I think Morton and McCullers at their best are strong number twos with a floor of like a, a, a quality three. When I talked to Morton about that struggling, that struggle – uh, struggle bunny start that he made and then about how he came back to Houston and, and did well and he said that when he looked he said basically what you said which is that when he looked at the video he couldn't necessarily spot the difference you know he you just have those sometimes yeah he said he, there wasn't anything that was wrong with his mechanics or his approach it just didn't work out and sometimes i said you well tip your hat to the opposition too you what just about say that hey, extra yeah yeah i said what about that extra tick you know you you put on velocity at one point in your career and then also you know you get a little extra velocity in the major in the in the postseason what happens to your stuff when that happens do you have to make a command adjustment was that what happened and he he said, yes, you're right that your stuff, your, your move, that's, that's a piece that I'm hoping to write is adjustments to higher velocity. I'm hoping to write that this week because all these guys are throwing harder, throwing closer to their maximum, you know? Verlander's um, been gassing the whole Yeah, the whole I asked playoff. him about that too, but um, he just said, you know, just do what you normally do. There's no real adjustment there. But there's a couple of guys who, who gave more nuanced answers. But Morton said, um, yes, your stuff straightens out a little bit um, when it's uh, when it's harder. He said, however, that's in my benefit because he said those those jiffable uh, uh, sinkers that we see, those crazy numbers. He actually, Morton was funny. He goes, if you look at the pitch FX, if you look at the track man and you see the big numbers on the sink, that I don't always have great games when I have those big numbers on the fade in the sink. No, because it's, it's it's too filthy to command. It's it's this, the problem Zach Britton had when he was a starter. He couldn't he couldn't get the ball in the zone. So when he faced a patient team, they would just obliterate him. He'd have four walks in the first two innings, and then you know then he had to come in the zone with something a little bit straighter, and he get he get roped. Yeah, and he said he said he said also like not like plus movement in terms of you know like ten inches and twelve inches sideways. You know, is not always a positive. Even just in terms, like I guess that's what you're saying too. Is, but it's not always a positive in terms of getting the swing, because he said like a guy like Dallas Keuchel, if you look at the TrackMan and the, the pitch FX for his pitches, they're not as impressive, especially you know sideways and stuff like that. He said, but it ends up being late movement. It ends late. up being yep. hard to see as a hitter. You think 
all the pitches kind of look the same. And then all of a sudden here comes, you know, that's a sinker actually. So he said that there is some benefit to sort of keeping certain pitches within a band and keeping them close to each other so that you can, so that the pitcher swings, you know, the batter swings. I mean, that's, that's a, a thing that's fascinating me that I don't think that we've studied enough is how to get the batter to swing. Uh, we I, talk I a lot about whiffs, but whiffs are, sw- are, are whiffs over pitches most of the time when we talk. You but, know who's another interesting case like that? He's not in the playoffs anymore, but in terms of having great stuff but never really gets the swings and misses commensurate with it is Joe Kelly in Boston. You see yeah. all the like. There's the the sexy readings on his stuff, but you know he's got a really bland strikeout rate. Yeah, and then he goes to the pen and, and it goes harder and it straightens out a little bit, but maybe they swing more. I mean, that's mm-hmm. he definitely got more whiffs this year. So, um, I mean, that might be part of the part. That might be part of what makes velocity so important is that even if it does straighten it out, it it may. Uh, it you know we always know it shortens reaction time, but. If it short, if it does two things, if it shortens reaction time and looks more like your other pitches, then you really get them swinging, right? Because mm-hmm. they feel like they have to swing earlier because you throw harder, and then they can't tell the difference as much between your other pitches because it's a little bit straighter. So, you know, it's, uh, it was an interesting thing to talk about, and and hopefully, I mean, maybe that means that Morton, on some level, made made an adjustment, even if he didn't want to really cop to it. That he made an adjustment that made him that good in his second start against the Yankees. So, uh, right, well, I mean, it's wicked stuff if you watch it, especially if you're talking about three or four innings and he doesn't have to see the lefty uh, a third time. He doesn't have to see lefties a second and third time. You then, definitely don't want Morton going a third time. But yeah. that's going to lead into the bullpen, which I think is the is the key the the, the key piece here, right? We we talked ad nauseum about how bullpens have kind of taken over the playoffs, but we talk about it a lot because it's the truth. That, I think, could be the hang-up for these Astros, especially if they're not hitting the way they did in those last two games against the Yankees. I, I think on paper it's a clear edge to the to, uh, to the Angels. They've been pit- or excuse me, Angels. To the uh, Dodgers, they've been pitching brilliantly out of the pen. But talk a bit about the, this Houston bullpen. Do they have the pieces? Do they have the guys that can come up? Can can Chris Davinsky find his early season form? Uh, can Wolf Harris find his season form? I mean, he had a pretty good season. He's been pretty good over the past few years. Can they get the guys? Uh, maybe a Joe Musgrove steps up. I'm not sure. I'm not 100 sure if he's going to be on the roster. But what do you see out of this Houston bullpen? What do they have to do to kind of compete with this Dodgers club? Yeah, I think I think Musgrove would be there. He really finished the season well, and he he himself had a velocity bump, and I talked to him about that. But um, uh, he he attributed it all to uh, velocity increase. This is something I kind of want to fact check. Didn't have the time to. He said that he found a mechanical change in the minor leagues, and he came up and was throwing 95s in the start, and then he still got moved to the bullpen. Dude, if Joe Musgrove is throwing 95 next year as a starter, I'm way back in. I mean, I'm very interested. So that's something to watch from spring training. It's a name that we've that people might be just putting in the reliever bin. But mm-hmm. you know, when the Astros regroup and look at their team again next year, they may need him to start. You know, mm-hmm. uh, or if there's an injury in spring. So I would just keep your ear out for for that sort of thing. Velocity readings if Musgrove is starting. But I think you know both of these teams have some star power at the end. I think. You know, Kenley and Morrow is is pretty exciting at the back end there. Um, and Singrani has been better since he's come over. But You know, you know who's the X-Factor in that bullpen, been. though? Yeah. Maeda. 
Yeah. He is murdering righties. And Houston gets a lot of their uh, offensive excellence from the right side with Altuve, Correa, Bregman, Springer. They're all batting righty there. Guriel, who's been a really strong bat for them throughout the year uh, and into the playoffs. Maeda, I think, could be a major, major X factor for this club. You, you got to talk to him. What were you able to talk to uh, Kent Maeda about? Well, just the, the same question I've been asking about, you know, stuff out of the pen and, and what he had to adjust to. And he just basically said, I put away everything but my two best pitches. Uh, he said, my breaking ball is a little bit tighter, but, um, you know, it's been getting more swings. So, same sort of stuff. Uh, he's, he's a guy that could really benefit from a velocity boost. Uh, because he was below average velocity when he was a starter. Um, so he, I think that's part of, you know, the movement, the command that he has, that's part of what makes him so great. I guess, you know, I guess uh, I would go Dodgers. Uh, yeah, I think because... I think you got to give him the, the edge on paper. But I guess the real question then is, again, can, can Houston find enough to survive? Because... You, you can't get Verlander to go nine every time or even necessarily guarantee seven, eight. Uh, he had seven in that in that big start on Friday, but he was clearly gassed in the seventh. Uh, A.J. Hinch made the decision that a, a lesser Verlander was better than anybody had in his pen. He doesn't have a lot of trust for guys out there. I think their potential X factor uh, would have to be Brad Peacock. Uh, he's going to have to be somebody. That's that the page I'm on. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so – He's been a little bit hit and miss in the, in this postseason here. What's Peacock have to do to find his consistent success out of the bullpen and, and, and be their, their bridge guy? Because if he can go two innings a pop a few different times, that really changes the outlook. Yeah. I mean, he, he went underwent complete mechanical changes where he dropped his arm slot and uh, found a ton of movement on a sinker retain the ability to drop a, a sort of 12 to six curveball, and then added a slider that goes the opposite way from his sinker. So he's really good at going East West and adding that North South element with that curveball. The only problem is that he's new to this. He didn't really have great command to begin with, and he's new yeah. to this new movement. So even over the course of the season, he had a walk rate near five per nine. And I think that's contributed a little bit to a couple of the home runs he gave up in the playoffs. So you know, it is an X factor, but I don't, you know, the Dodgers haven't seen this incarnation. They haven't seen any of Peacock, really. I don't I don't normally look at batter versus pitcher, so I'm not really talking about that. What I'm just saying is this is going to be a very unique look for them. There's not a lot of guys who are sinker slider from that slot who can also drop a curveball on the plate um, in the same way. So, uh, yeah, if he can get going and, you know, Musgrove – who's been a great reliever uh, this year, though that's the soft underbelly, you know, because I do think kind of Harris, Stavinsky, Giles, there's something there, you know, mm -hmm. um, that's especially if you can, you can bring in a Verlander or something, but um, you know, you really need to get to those guys some games and that's going to be, you know, Peacock. I don't even know who, who I don't even know who I want to say Peacock comma somebody, but who is, I don't even know who's McHugh? on the roster. First of all, what about yeah. McHugh? Um, curveball has been getting a lot of talk too. I, I referenced the uh, Statcast podcast. I recommend people listen to that. They had a whole big feature on on how curveballs are going to be instrumental in this series with both teams, uh, both pitching well with them and hitting well against them. So that could make for a really interesting uh, pairing there. McHugh, of course, 
has his career because of his curveball. The the Astros saw that. They saw the spin rate of it, and and they wanted him. And obviously, he's been a really nice piece for them over these last few years. I feel like he could be a big piece out of their bullpen. I, I noticed they don't really have lefties, though. Uh, look like Liriano. I mean, yeah. I would they you consider know, must be a real disappointment for them. So, but you know, the curveball, the thing that's nice about it is it has reverse platoon splits. So, mm-hmm. you know, anybody with a really good curveball has a weapon against a lefty. Even that's a good right. point. Yeah, that's um, a really good point. But at the same time, you know, you, you'd feel better if you had, oh, I guess Tony Sipp is a lefty. I was going to, I was trying to look him up. I don't know if he, he made the he postseason. Ended the season. Uh, he got got off the DL in, in early September. That was the last bit of news I've, I've seen on him here. He's not played in the postseason yet. Yeah, I have And he's seen, also but, weird because he throws a split finger and he doesn't get, um, he doesn't have reverse, he doesn't have normal platoon splits. So he doesn't necessarily, he's not really a great lefty to get lefties out. So okay. it would have been probably better for them to get like a loogie or something, but they. Well, that, they wanted they Blair. I don't maybe, do that. Yeah, so I think that, that's probably really a slightly fascinating roster choice for them is something like, you know, who's the guy after Giles, Davinsky, Harris, Musgrove, Peacock, you know? What's up with Gregerson? He, he's been pitching some in the playoffs, hasn't he? And he's, you know, he's, yeah, he has, and he's, he's been struggled. doing all right. Oh, he's, yeah. he's been doing all right. Okay. He hasn't, no, hasn't given up a run I yet. Com- I think I'm confusing him with Davinsky. Vet who just He's gotten hit twice. Slider after slider after slider. But that's one I think I wouldn't really want to face again, a lefty. I mean, I know he's gotten lefties out in the past, but... Yeah, but uh, if he puts those snap mixers in yeah. there, they're gone. Bellinger will hit that 500 feet in a second. I, I agree that I it's nerve-wracking. Velocity or weirdness uh, against... You know, Musgrove's a little bit weird in terms of movement and stuff. So I think if I was going to try and get a lefty out, I don't know, I might use, you know, just a someone that lefties don't see very often. I mean, Musgrove's more over the top and has like the one seam fastball and has good command, you know, won't, won't drop it in, you know, the heart of the plate for them or yeah, just, you know, Giles and, you know, hope it's in the eighth inning and, and try and to D- blow it. And Davinsky's splitter. I mean, when, when he was on, Nobody was touching him. Righty, lefty, it did not matter. And he was working the the, the splitter slider with 94-95 on his velocity. He was untouchable. Look at his line this year. That's amazing. Davinsky gave up a 184 Woba against lefties this year. They couldn't touch him. They had a 110 splitter, man. And a 230 slugging. Yeah. Wow. Splitters are great. And and yeah, so, okay, so that's it. That's, that's the plan. It's Davinsky and Giles against Lefty. They need him. Like they, yeah. I mean, that they Peacock can be the X factor, but that's if Davinsky's doing his thing. Like they need both of those guys, really. I think I Davinsky what's going and on with Peacock. He hasn't been good in the postseason. He's been up and down. He's either yeah. been really sharp or beaten to hell. Uh, he's got yeah. two outings of getting really smacked around, and then three solid outings um, that that Davinsky's had. So. It's it's nerve wracking, and you could tell that um, AJ Hinch just wasn't confident going to anybody. I referenced the uh, the Friday game again when when Verlander was there in the seventh. You know Hicks was on that one ball, almost hit a home run there. Todd Frazier, uh, it wouldn't have been a homer. It wasn't a homer stealing catch, but it was a, a double stealing catch. It would have kind of hit the top of the wall and bounced off if Springer doesn't get that. And it was clear that Verlander was on his on his you know last bit of uh, the tank of gas there. 
and Hinch didn't want to go to a Davinsky. Earlier in the season, he goes to Davinsky probably after the Hicks at bat, knowing, hey, I've got I got Davinsky here. I can go an inning plus. So, yeah, I would actually probably move him more to the X factor than Peacock, if only because we've seen Davinsky wobble at times, including that one where he got uh, clobbered against Boston. That was a 10-3 loss, though, so it was kind of a pile-on sort of deal. So um, they have the pieces, but it's a big advantage for the Dodgers going in right now until we see the uh, the Astros perform in the bullpen. Yeah, and I think in general we've just outlined why Vegas and why 538 have the Dodgers as a favorite. Completely. I mean, because we gave them the bullpen, we gave them fielding. Even if we, even if we personally think starter is somewhat of a toss-up, I think if you go by name value and uh, and projections and you know data, you might data alone, you might go with uh, the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then uh, and then defense is traditionally thought of as the least important of the three. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but maybe in a short series it's, it's you know, one play here or there and it can break either way. So it's hard to say they're going to get to every ball, you know? Sure. Um, and they have capable defenders, though. Josh Reddick, we didn't mention either. He can be a, a great defender when he's on. It's not like they have a bunch of slugs and Nelson Cruz is out there in the outfield for the Astros. So they've got the players, but the, the metrics have really favored the Dodgers for the year. So it's weird we'll though, see because how that we goes. have we have the uh we have the Astros as a favorite. Really? Yeah, I don't know if I'm looking at this wrong, but the playoff odds definitely have the Astros at a fifty two point six percent World Series. That's that's interesting. I mean I mean, is that to go to the World Series? Are these old? I think it was probably, to, if you're looking at the the standings here, I think it would yeah. probably be to go to the World Series because, man, I just don't know how you would look at those two teams um, metric-wise and have the... Uh, I, I see what you're saying, though. Those are the only two teams with odds. It looks like we might be favoring the Astros, 50, 52.6%. So. I've got a graph for win the World Series on the graphs page. And playoff odds, graphs. Yeah. Yep. And it's Houston 52-6, Dodgers 4-7-4. That, that's that interesting. Win the World Series. So. Oh, well, well, so what's your prediction? Um, Who you got? I mean. A Giants fan did the calculations according to Justin. <laughs> <laughs> Shading the Dodgers. <laughs> Maybe it's without uh, Corey Seager, too. And I, I, that could be worth a few percentage points. Yeah, let's look at our depth chart here. Dude, that could be worth... Yeah, that that changed the Cubs... Um, that, that made the Cubs favored by a little bit instead of a pick em, Yeah, uh, when we switched the depth chart um, on that one. Um that comes no, our depth chart has Seager at, at number one, so okay, that's an well, interesting. Uh, a, I wonder what it's about. It, it could be, it could though be a part of the depth charts because that's what feeds all of our oh, odds. And if there's you're, something, you're right. By the way, look because it looks like uh, yesterday we had it even higher, fifty six point nine for the Astros, and then so it looks like Seager was added and cut cut those four percentage points. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Um, it sounds like you're leaning toward the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers are a favorite. I'm, I'm intrigued by the the Astros, though. I mean, it's a smaller market. It's a smaller payroll. 
Um, wait, wait, smaller market how? Because Houston's huge. Uh, to LA. We, okay, okay. So smaller in comparison. It's I like you both meant. top five markets, but it's a yeah, smaller yeah. market Dodgers. Okay. Uh, it's a, you know, it's a, a smaller market in terms of, of payroll. They were 17th in payroll to the Dodgers number one. Number one. Um, you know, it, it, both teams have, I think, m- been very aggressive in analytics to the point where the Astros have turned off some players that have had to try to negotiate with them for contracts. Um, and, uh, the Dodgers have turned off some people in the game in terms of their sort of aggressive buying everything, buying everybody, you know, and making a billion trades, just these tiny little trades, little edge, little edge, little edge, every GM and having 25 GM. So (laughs) exactly. Uh, here we go. I got some odds for you. Houston plus one fifty or Dodgers plus one seventy. If I got if I got you to put a hundred bucks on it, which side would you go to? Now, now that you know the odds here on uh, on a, on a gambling site. Wait. So I I found different ones. Maybe they've uh, adjusted. What'd you find? That means. Uh, Is that just for tomorrow's game or for the series? Well, see, you guys, you have plus both pluses. Uh, it's a slightly different format, which makes things harder. I had like the plus minus, so it was like uh, plus one twenty. Uh, to to bet the uh, Astros and minus one forty to bet. Oh the wow, Dodgers. that's much closer. Yeah, five dimes has minus one seventy on the Dodgers, plus one fifty on the Strohs. Oh, okay. So okay. if you yeah, like yeah. the Strohs, you go you go somewhere like five dimes. I think so. I mean, I think that's the fun money. That's the like. I don't think. Oh, certainly, certainly. Like, I think like we've been arguing that a lot of the things that, that maybe people are giving as wins to the Dodgers are, are a little bit closer. Um, so, you know, I think the, the fun money, you know, if you want to bet and like make money on this, I think I would bet Astros, but in terms of like, who's the most likely to win, it's still probably a notch in the Dodgers side. I think it'll be fun. And I think it might actually be very up and down. I, I don't expect this to be four. I expect, See, and that's what I'm, I'm really I, hoping I it's not winners in games. Like I expect sort of one team to win one and then another team to win another and then another, I don't, I don't think it's going to be like chalk at home chalk at home you know okay. back to, to decide it you know i just don't want that like uh, the 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 bummer is a four game sweep wouldn't surprise me because i think the dodgers are that much of a machine and some of their edges come in the spots where they could really shut it down namely that bullpen i keep harping on that because i just think it's a, a, a big edge right now unless we see guys step up for houston so i could see four but I also like it's so wide open. I can see the path where Houston takes it seven and and pushes them all the way. Like, and that's what I'm obviously hoping for. I just want but an amazing World Series. Who's getting pushed out of the rotation if McCullers is going back in? McHugh, did he start? So that's that's an interesting uh, boost to the bullpen. I you know, it's uh, with his curveball too. McCullers coming out of the pen, but it's. Uh, but like you, you said know, earlier about he, getting lefties out with the curves, that yeah. kind of makes McHugh maybe the guy for some of those key lefties. And, and like can he get a Bellinger and Seeger out in the middle of the game? Yeah, that could that could change things. Um, and nobody was talking to him today. I had a I had my run of the place with him, so um, that was interesting to uh, uh, to think that so much of this might turn on a, a player that didn't get much attention. Uh, yeah, I, I I agree because again they've got they've got pieces that could really turn it in the bullpen, but right now they have to show something before I'm going to say 
confidently that I trust the Houston uh, bullpen. All right, mm-hmm. so that's the World Series. It starts tomorrow. Should be fun. We'll ha- obviously have a – well, I shouldn't say obviously. We should have another cast while it's still going on, depending how long it goes. But we'll see how that goes. Uh, let's talk some 2018 draft battles here. Uh, we got one for the Cubs since they've been freshly eliminated. We got a, a pitcher here that we're going to talk about. One pitcher, one, two hitter ones. Kyle Hendricks going 131.25 in, in Justin's drafts versus Luke Weaver going 106. The young rookie really shooting up draft boards uh, with a big with a big debut, although he did really sputter to the finish line there uh, in September. Who do you like between Hendricks and Luke Weaver? You know, one thing that, I'm a little bit nervous about. I wrote about the fact that these pitchers are all pitching closer to their max. And in the playoffs, uh, Kyle Hendricks' max velocity all year is 89 miles an hour. In the playoffs, Kyle Hendricks averaged 88. And in the regular season, he averaged 86. So dude was throwing as hard as he could. And it's not quite, you know, like... Yeah, he's trying. It's not quite uh, Verlander, but that they found at ASMI, Glenn Flysick found that the the closer you pitch to your max, the more. And it's not like it's not like Thor throwing an easy ninety four is gonna have more of a um, is is not putting more stress on him than uh, uh, someone throwing ninety one, right? If Kyle Hendricks throws 91, he's putting more strategies on his arm than Thor throwing 94 mm-hmm. because it's it's a personal thing. The closer you throw to your personal max is the yes. more stressful it is on your arm. And that and makes a lot that of sense. That makes sense. Yeah, so so Kyle Hendricks throwing in the playoffs at 88 is stressful. And he has had injury concerns in the past. And it's still 88 miles an hour. So in those ways, I want to give Weaver the heads up. I want to give him the, 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 I want to, I'd rather have Weaver. However, Weaver, hasn't he had uh, a few uh, injury concerns? He had injury concerns, yes. And And missed time in the minors. And don't forget to factor in, he costs more right now. And I I think that trend will hold as we get into the winter and spring with Travis. Because he's done less. Uh, much yeah. less. And I really like Luke Weaver. I really do. But I'm really trying to mitigate my excitement. I had him lower than I think people thought I would. I I, I really do like him. But we're talking about a guy who has uh, 96 and two-thirds major league innings. And he really wasn't good in his 36 and a third uh Back in 2016, by the way, I think I said he debuted this year. No, he debuted last year, 36 in the third. The the skills were there, but the results weren't. You can kind of say, okay, he should have been better than the 570 ERA he had. But but a 470, or excuse me, a 433 FIP is not beating down the door. He allowed too many homers, too many hits, didn't strand guys, had a 31% ground ball rate. This year he was a lot different. Uh, the strikeout-walk ratio was, was really strong again. Uh, kept the ball in the yard more, stranded more runners, and got the ball down all the way up to a 49% ground ball rate for Luke Weaver. So he had a lot better showing this year. But again, you're still talking less than 100 innings for a major leaguer. And for Hendricks, you know, I was not in on him coming into the year at all. Uh, I really thought he would fall back. And innings-wise, he certainly did. He only threw it 139 and two-thirds. But he had a 303 ERA uh, and, and 119 whip. That's pretty solid. I thought he was going to be closer to like a 350 or above. So he, he, he was better than I really thought Hendricks would be. 
and he's coming about 30 picks, maybe about two rounds cheaper at this point. Does, is that for enough a regression? To... I mean, for a regression year to have a three ERA, you know, that's pretty uh, good. Yeah, and he managed to keep his strikeout rate pretty close to where it was before. You know, we all thought a lot of that would drop off, and it did drop mm-hmm. off, but it didn't drop off far. I mean, I think I think this is the key. If Hendricks is going to cost less, and we're talking about next year and next year alone, then it's him. But if we're talking about dynasty or you know keeper situations, if you could trade Hendricks for Weaver, um, you know, if you if we're talking about 2019. And beyond, I'm taking Weaver. He's certainly, you know, three or four years younger. He has uh, 93 to 88. He has a changeup, and he has Adam Wainwright teaching him how to te- throw a curveball. So and that there's a so lot sick. that could there's a lot that could come together. He also has better strikeout rate, and so the, those are, I guess, the arguments for the people who are drafting him ahead of of uh, Hendricks this year. However, on the breakout, you know. Yeah, they're. I guess they're betting, they're betting on the strikeout rate. Yeah, they're betting on the strikeout rate, and 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 Weaver might if they both pitch the same number of innings, Weaver's going to have more strikeouts. But I think we saw, you know, near the end of the season, you know, there's the bird in the hand versus like if you go too hard on on uh, upside, then uh, you know, I I could see a team if you if you bet on floor going into it, and then you came to your hundredth pick, and you were like, I need a guy who could jump up and join my aces you know then you could take weaver uh but uh you know getting hendrix at 100 i feel like that's like i've just bought a solid number two you know and 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 what is this justin mason is 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 telling us something he's telling us other pitchers that we could take we could take hendrix after weaver and then we could wait uh no Weaver's Weaver, uh, Weaver's more expensive. You get Hendricks at pick one thirty. Here are some other say, guys. You take you take Hendricks. You miss Weaver, and you still get your upside play. Who Rios, do you get? Salazar, Stroman, Quaid. The Stroman one really surprises me. Rich Hill, Sonny Gray, Tanaka. Uh, I don't know if I said Quaid. Johnny Quaid. Those, those are nice upside plays. I mean, if I, I like Weaver, Hendricks, but I'm taking all those guys. I think if I'm taking Hend- if I can take Hendricks and Parrot with you know, a Tanaka or Hill or something, then okay. I'm feel like I'm getting, you know, or, 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 or go for Brian, go with that, get that Barrios and try to, but then I've waited, then I've added, I've added the floor. And I think Hendricks has better floor than any of these guys. Certainly. Even Sonny Gray, Tanaka. I think maybe Stroman. Stroman. Stroman reminds me a little bit of a, getting Weaver a, and then getting Marcus Stroman. But I think that Marcus Stroman is like everybody's next pick, you know, Stroman's results profile is is Al Hendricks, and I say results profile for a reason because obviously he has much better stuff. I think at least in terms mm-hmm. of velocity. But if you look at the 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 end result there, ERA, WHIP, strikeout, it's not walk, great, not great strikeout rate. Usually good ERA and WHIP, and yeah, it looks a lot like that. So okay, I, I think we're leaning Hendricks because he's he's coming cheaper. And again, I like, like Weaver, but if this take, is the cost, no way, say, I'm not taking it. Let's say you you do that turn. You get Hendricks, and you get your pick of all those. Whoever's your number one pick of all those, right? Let's say Hendricks Barrios, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or Weaver, um, and you uh, Weaver. You could take and, Weaver and you, Barrios you, too, but but you don't but have then the it's floor. all upside, and you have exactly. No, yeah, yeah. So then the floor. Who's the floor guy? I guess Stroman. So I guess you know Weaver Stroman. The problem is I just don't think you can bet on. Uh, like let's say you take Hendricks, and then you want upside, and Barrios goes. You don't hit yourself too hard because Rich Hill's upside is pretty good, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tanaka's upside, upside. 
is pretty good. So I don't think you're hurting as much on the upside play. But if you take Weaver and you need floor and Stroman goes, there's no floor. Cueto doesn't have floor. Tanaka this year showed us he does not really have floor. Sonny Gray in New York. two years ago that he can get hurt. Yeah. Yeah, And Rich Hill is not a floor pick. Rich Rich Hill's floor is 10 innings. Exactly. <laughs> ten, inning, ten innings and I'm going to retire. I, like, I just can't yeah, do it right. anymore. So, yeah, I, I think that's where it. we're at on, on these pitchers. Let's jump over to the hitters. Uh, this one's a much bigger split in Justin's drafts than it was in my mock draft. I paired these two because they were really close in my mock. Uh, but he's got more data here. He's got Nomar Mazzara at pick 195.5 versus Adam Jones at pick 110.75. Who do you like there, uh, the young buck or, or, or the old veteran? I am taking Nomar Mazzara and... It may not be rational, but Adam Jones is 32 with a game built on athleticism. He's not going to steal any more than two bags next year. He's not going to. I don't think he's going to hit much more than 25 bags next year. I mean, he's been steady at sort of 26 to 29, but he's 30. When the league caught up, next though, year. right? Yeah. I mean, and the, league, the league's yeah. now clubbing homers where his his mid 20s is solid, but it's not special. It, the, the few years ago. His 29, uh, let alone his 30s in, in, in 2012 and 2013 for Adam Jones, that was special because, guys, we weren't getting a ton of 30 homer hitters. His 26 this year is like, cool, man. Teammate Trey Mancini did that for free. Uh, you know, he was free loop <laughs> uh, hitting 24. So I think even at equal cost, I would take Mazzara. The fact that Mazzara is likely going to be cheaper I'm taking yeah. him all day. Let's talk people, about Mazzara's people, output people, then. Yeah, people ask me why I like Mazzara. And, you know, I think Jones helps me explain it a little bit because that strikeout rate is nice. And one of the things that you look at Jones and you're like, wow, you know, I don't really like his approach. You know, he doesn't walk and, and you know, he's just swinging at everything. He made a lot of contact. And that's how Adam Jones, who does not have a great approach to the plate, still hit 280, you know? And so, you know, I think that there's no reason that Nomar Mazzara can't hit 280 next year. I don't see the reason why. He's in a good ballpark. He has power. I mean, we're not asking him to run a lot of these these singles out or anything, but, you know, he's got the package that could hit 280 for sure. And if he hits 280 and hits 25 homers in that Texas lineup, I feel like he's going to he's going to have a, you know, a lot of RBI and uh and and then that's sort of, you know, middle of the line stuff we're talking. And if you're talking about 99th percentile, the 99th percentile for Mazar is way more exciting than the 99th percentile for uh, for Adam Jones at this we're, age, we're, I think. We're talking about a 23-year-old who already has two full seasons under his belt, both in which he hit 20 homers, uh, yeah. 266, 253 averages, a little bit below average, uh, 94 and 92 WRC pluses. That's not bad at a 21, 22-year-old, though. We get spoiled by these guys who break out instantly that we maybe kind of shuffle these guys off to the side that are you know biding their time. He's succeeding. like He's surviving two full major league seasons, though, before yeah, age 23. Yeah, people are going to call this guy like a post-hype sleeper. No, and it's, it's the hype is still there. wrong because it's you never like those aren't bad seasons. No, but, I completely agree. But like, yeah, I mean, I guess the rest of the league hits for more power, and so that's it's made him look bad in comparison. But it's, he's not, he's not bad. No, so, he's, he's really not, and I like Mazzara a lot. Uh, if, if this price holds, I'm going to be getting. Well, honestly, no matter what, I'm going to be getting shares. What, is, what was the price? One ninety-five point five was the pick number. So on you could get him as your third outfielder. Exactly. 
Maybe yeah, your fourth, depending on how aggressively you're drafting outfielders. Yeah, third or fourth outfielder. Yes, please sign yep. me up. That's sign better. I think that's much better even than picking, I don't know, where's Reddick in, in these? Do we have a number on Reddick? Because, you know, Reddick is uh, a little bit like Jones, or it's like a, it's like a high, uh, a decent floor. I mean, you know, a known production type guy. Yeah, he'll but, hit he'll hit right handers, you know, but but you know, in five hundred and forty plate appearances this year, Reddick only hit thirteen homers. He did have the eighty-two ribbies and he gets a little uh, some more batting average and stolen bases, seven stolen bases, three fourteen average this year. So he was solid, but give give me give me Mazzara. Now he's going two eighty nine, Reddick is. So you I mean, are giving a him a lot. It's not a comparable. You could wait a while. But I just mean just in terms of that player type, I'd rather I'd rather have Mazzara. I think that's a great pick near the end of your draft. All right, not the end of your draft, but near the end of your outfield. The middle of your roster where you're trying to get those breakouts, I totally agree. Mazzara is going to be a guy we're going to be pumping up this year, I really think. All right, last one, couple catchers. Super disappointing season for Jonathan Lucroy. He did bounce back a little bit in Colorado. A lot of it was walk rate inflated, and then that walk rate was also inflated by batting eighth a bunch in front of the pitcher uh, in the National League. So I, I, I think even his his Colorado work needs to be looked at with a little bit of a crooked eye because the power still didn't return. He had a 127 ISO in Colorado, for crying out loud. He's going all the way up at pick 122.75 the market is still buying in and mike zunino who's the worst player in the history of the universe uh is picked 216.75 i cannot stand mike zunino but with this price discrepancy again i paired these two because they went very close in my mock uh they're nowhere near each other here uh, my answer i think again i can't stand zunino and i think i would take him in this instance at that cost difference how do you feel about zunino v lucroy and let's assume just for now that lucroy goes back to colorado they are talking there is interest on both sides so just to kind of cut that out just go ahead and assume that he's going to have a full year in colorado and then operate under that right now yeah i mean i i think there was a couple other openings that could be interesting for lucroy too i mean we've talked about how robinson chirino i think is a is a free agent so if he ends up in texas again that's also not bad for him. I can't uh, see him going back though after the after the meltdown in seventy seven games this year. I suppose. I mean, you never It'd be know interesting. How, how people act. I mean, it's also money talks in the end. But exactly. um, I think that uh, there probably was something physically going on with him. I talked to him a couple times about his batting. He said he couldn't really figure it out, and you know. He hit way too many ground balls, but I don't think it's necessarily the end is going to come that quickly for him. I think he'll have a health bounce back, uh, have a nice batting average at a time when no catcher has a nice batting average, really, and uh, and uh, be a decent, like, uh, I think might rank him in the sort of 15 range, you know? So I, I couldn't find anything on it, but I'm, I actually am writing his profile for the Baseball HQ Forecaster, and I put in a little bit of injury speculation for Jonathan Lucroy as well, just kind of saying it looks like this screams hidden injury with a 54% ground ball rate up from 37 last year and a career 43% um, with the power outage. I agree. That screams nagging injuries that were kind of lingering all year. And then if he does get healthy at age 32 and spends a full year in Colorado, we could see the rebirth of, of Lucroy. But pick 122 versus pick 216, you're talking almost 100 picks between Luke Croy and Zanino. Now you balance it out of batting average and if, if he is healthy, moderate pop versus 
all pop and and no real batting average. I know he hit 250, 251 this year because he's a garbage bag and wanted to cost me money because I, I bet that he wouldn't hit. I think I think the number was 240 or something. I, I just needed him. He's a 209 hitter even after this. I, I'm just I, I'm so angry about it. But he went 25. Put it this way. It's a lot easier in those picks to get Zanino's power, you know, to find yes. that elsewhere than At it catcher. is to to find batting average in those in those picks. Those picks are not across the board are going to have bad batting averages for the most part because uh, that's how the league is now. So, you know, it's a lot easier to go find a 250 hitter with 25 homers uh, than it is to find, you know, a guy who could hit 300 at catcher. With 15 so, yaks, yeah. And, and I, uh, I just looked at Lucroy's average exit velocity. He had a huge dip, a huge dip that basically coincides with, um, like, Late last year, beginning of this year, that he sort of recovered uh, into into uh, the, the end of the season. So he looked a little bit more like himself at the end of the season, but he had a huge velocity dip, and that's something that Carlos Correa admitted to me is totally indicative of uh, playing through injuries. So and I remember you told us that last year uh, about him, and we didn't hear anything about it until the end of the year when 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 you got that scoop. I would not be surprised if we got something over the winter. Uh, after Lucroy's kind so in this of this case would be a good sign. Yeah, you, exactly. And 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 if he gets settled and then wants to talk about, it, I'm not sure he's going to put it out there when he's when he's unsigned. But then once he gets signed, says, you know what, I was playing through uh, an elbow or or an ankle or something, and and now I'm healthy and I'm ready to go. I agree. But but again, is it worth almost 100 picks to you? Are are you willing to take the plunge on Lucroy to pick 122? What was the difference again? What what's the actual number for Lucroy? One twenty two point seven five versus two sixteen point seven five for Zanino. Ooh. It's a sharp uh, difference. Well, with the with Zanino in your back pocket, I mean, you could play the actual guys that are available. You know, you could kind of see see what you can get. I also feel like you could push Lucroy further than one twenty two. You know. Yeah, that's like, just his average. Justin, I don't know if you can find it. What what's his yeah. low pick? For Luke yeah, Boyle, in, in a given draft, if like Noah Mazara is going 109, I'd rather have go get Noah Mazara. No, Noah Mazara is going one 195. Noah Mazara is closer to Zunino. Well, I think I would rather have Noah Mazara than Zunino. So than Zunino for sure, but also than uh, Lucroy. I think. I mean, I I would I would treat Lucroy as fungible. I would rather have him as than Zunino. So I wouldn't necessarily pay 122. So I, I would rather have him than Zunino, uh, but I would. Try to push it a little bit. Lucroy's okay. low pick was 131. Okay. I'm, I'm getting a little bit more into him. It depends on, like, you know, two catcher. Did you guys have a two catcher set up in that league? Yeah, two catcher, five by five, okay. 15 teams. All right, all right. Then I'm into it. Then then he's a low end ca- uh, catcher one or a high end catcher two. And in both cases, if I'm in a two catcher league, I'm, I'm upping my need for getting good catchers. So. Okay, I could see it. Yeah, and so, I'd, so and I'd the, rather have Luke Croy than Zanino for sure. The mock I did with the in this league group, um, Zanino went. Or excuse me, Luke Croy went two forty three, and Zanino went two forty four. So when they're at equal pick, it's Luke Croy all day for me. If I can get Luke Croy in the one fifty range, I think that's when I'm ready to jump in. Up in the one twenties, I'm not sure. Now, that's subject to change. If he does re-sign with Colorado officially, and then we do start to hear some rumblings of playing through multiple or even just one nagging injury, and now he's healthy, I'm a little bit more open to it. 
but I'm not sure I'm even going to be drafting catcher that high regardless of who it is because I know I'm not in on the early guys. I'm not taking Real Muto, Gary Sanchez, Wilson Contreras. I know it's an advantage. Well, Sanchez maybe, maybe because he, he can hit 35 at catcher, which is just insane. Um, but the others, Posey, Real Muto, Contreras, Sal Perez, I'm not paying that freight. I think I'm just going to punt and try to get Lucroy a little later and pair him with – you know, maybe bet on a healthy year of Ramos or Wellington Castillo, just get my 20 homers or something like that. I'm not really diving in on the high end of catcher uh, as but a general principle. I generally like that philosophy of getting of almost the, the catcher catcher move where you get a, a low end catcher one, but a high end catcher two. Yeah. Um, I do like that Luke Roy Ramos pairing better than uh, like in some ways I'm not, you know, especially with, not knowing the price of Gary Sanchez, but like assuming that Gary Sanchez is going to be very expensive, I'd like rather third, have fourth like, rounder. Yeah, I'd rather have I think like a Lucroy Ramos pairing than like a Gary Sanchez uh, Chirinos pairing. You know what I mean? Absolutely, and I, I agree with you. I'd rather take I that. Hate skimping on the second catcher. It's just like usually one of the worst players in baseball. Yeah, I, I try not to, and I, I'm I'm totally with you. When I do wait on catcher, I do get my second one a lot quicker if I'm waiting. Now, if I do get that stud, I'm more inclined to wait. And then, like you said, it ends up becoming almost a dead spot. And then you kind of mitigate your your Gary Sanchez advantage. Uh, Justin has Gary Sanchez at twenty eight point like second round. <laughs> yeah. My but goodness. Here's another thing that you can kind of do that's fun if you do that um, that sort of boom boom with the catcher is that you might screw someone who was waiting. So if you notice that there are three teams waiting on catcher, right? You pop uh, two of them right off the board. Wow, yeah, you can really screw them because then you then you went and got their catcher one. Now mm-hmm. they're they're playing two catcher twos, uh, whereas you have two low-end catcher ones, which I By think— By the way, I, I'm, I'm glad you're bringing this up. I think the mock I was in was single catcher. So throw out all the numbers I gave you. That completely changes everything. And that's why those catchers went so late. Um, so Justin's numbers are a lot more indicative of what we're going to be facing because I know the majority of our listeners as well as uh, our leagues are two catcher leagues. So so keep that in mind. I wonder if that's um, true. Please tell us in the comments. <laughs> yeah, let us know. Do, do you do you mostly play two catcher? I, I, I sometimes get blinders where it's like, this is what I play, so this is what everybody plays. But I know there are plenty of one catcher leagues out there. So let me know what you guys play more in the comments or on Twitter at Spore at Eno Saris. Uh, that's actually going to wrap it up, though. Yeah, they're kicking okay. me out of Dodger Stadium. So. All right, you gotta you gotta get the heck out of Dodger Stadium. Have okay. are you going to any games? Or are you going back home tomorrow? Um, I'll go to tomorrow, even if I can schedule something with a gastroenterologist. Uh, I'll go tomorrow and then then fly up, you know, Wednesday, worst case. So okay. The well, nice well, thing about luck. Southwest Airlines is I own a ticket and they don't really care necessarily which plane I get on. Yeah, you can kind of move move freely uh with, yeah. with, with when you want to leave so enjoy game one then uh yeah. justin thanks for producing and then we'll rendezvous again sometime soon and then again in november we'll start to get more on on the regular schedule once everything dies down and the season is officially over so uh good talking with you and i'll talk to you later thanks for listening and enjoy the series <laughs> <laughs>